Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be going in-depth into my week number 12 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside today's video, we're going to be going in-depth through every single matchup from all the games on Thanksgiving all the way up until Monday Night Football. I'll be telling you guys whether I believe you should start or sit the running backs in all of those matchups. But before we could get into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel, and you do end up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure that you do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into my week number 12 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with the first of three games on Thanksgiving. The Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions taking place at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, when it comes to the Detroit Lions with one of the best, if not the best, tandem of running backs in the NFL with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, things are incredibly simple here. Both of these running backs are must-starts, in my opinion. Jameer Gibbs has been on fire over the last four games with four straight performances in side of the top five. In those games, he has scored at least one touchdown in every single game. This week, he gets a wet dream matchup here on Thursday up against a not-so-hot Packers run defense. I expect him to be a top five running back. Yet again, I think he continues that streak on Thursday afternoon. When it comes to David Montgomery, when this man is healthy, he is a monster like that Eminem song. At this point, I think I have to put Gibbs over Montgomery in my rankings, but this is not meant to be a slight on Monty. Monty has scored 18 PPR points in back-to-back -back weeks with a touchdown in each game. Just like I talked about with Jameer Gibbs, this matchup is great! Like Tony the Tiger would say, I believe he is close to a lock to be a top 12 running backs. I think that Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are going to form a Eiffel Tower of sorts over this Green Bay Packers run defense, and I think both Jameer Gibbs and Montgomery finish inside of the top 12. When it comes to the Packers, they are seemingly without Aaron Jones, giving Dylan the reins as the lead back on the team. Last week, he looked just about alright, mainly due to the receiving work that he got in that game, but man oh man, does A.J. Dylan reek of fool's gold. You can smell it through the screen. Every single fucking time he is given the lead role on the team, he messes it up. He squanders his opportunities. Even when everything is lined up correctly for him, he somehow messes it up. So while I like the matchup up against the Lions defense that's been down bad recently, A.J. Dillon is nothing but a fringe start, right? Maybe he goes out there and bends the Lions defense over a table and stuffs them like the guy damn Thanksgiving turkey, but ultimately, I just cannot trust him based upon what we've seen this season. And his stats this season are a CVS receipt worth of nothing. Nada. When Aaron Jones was out, A.J. Dillon could not do it. So again, he's a fringe start, sure, but I definitely don't think he's an ideal start. Emmanuel Wilson 
also got hurt last week, the running back two for the team, ruled out with a shoulder injury. If he misses, then we'll see Patrick Taylor as the running back two. Regardless of who the running back two is in Green Bay, you should sit him down. Next up, we got the 4.30 p.m. game on Thanksgiving, again speaking in real person, Eastern Standard Time. The Washington Commanders at the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's World. Nothing like watching the Dallas Cowboys play on Thanksgiving every single year. Brian Robinson legitimately looked mighty fine last week. This man looked like Sidney Sweeney over the last two games. It is clear that the team has made more of an effort to give him more targets. And if Antonio Gibison is out yet again, there is even more reason for that to continue. Now, of course, the matchup up against the Dallas Cowboys is not some salivating matchup, right? This is far scarier than the Giants defense that he just ran a train on last week. I think that Robinson should at least finish as a top 24 back here. Again, I'm not going to bang the drum heavily for him like I kind of did last week. I'm going to tell you he's a start, not a must start. Just a guy that should be decent this week with some upside, especially if Antonio Gibson misses. For Antonio Gibson, he missed last week up against the Giants and was estimated as limited on Monday's practice report. Even if he plays He's a sit because the one thing that Gibson can do that could take him over the top ropes, right, to become that start-worthy player is have that large reception out of the backfield, right? Get four targets, four catches, four for four like he's at Wendy's, and he takes one of those for like 40 yards, right? And maybe he hop, jumps, skips into the fucking end zone. I know that was out of order. And scores, right? That's how he has a good game. He doesn't have a good game by running in between the tackles or catching 15 passes because that's not going to happen for Gibson. So even if he starts up against the Dallas defense, you should not be starting him. Chris Rodriguez Jr., if Gibson misses, rookie running back Rodriguez will function as the RB2. He actually looked pretty solid last week against the Giants, and he does average 5.2 yards per carry, but against the Cowboys, don't get too cute here and try to play him. For the Dallas Cowboys, Tony Pollard, five Finally scored a touchdown last week in Carolina. I play. I prayed all week to the football gods above. I fucking put my pajamas on backwards like I was praying for a snowstorm when I was a kid. I genuinely thought I was dreaming when he walked into the end zone. This motherfucker hasn't scored since week one against the Giants prior to Sunday. I still can't fully trust him. I still can't fully bang the drum. Be like, we're back, baby, with Tony Pollard. But up against the Commanders, defense you gotta start him Rico Dowdle is banged up with an ankle injury and was estimated as a non-participant in practice on Monday if he misses we'll see short king Deuce Vaughn either way neither of these guys are seeing any touches unless it is garbage time next up we move to the closer here on Thanksgiving 820 Eastern Standard Time the San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks but again no fret on Thanksgiving because you get to wake up on Black Friday and you get another football game yippee all right so 49ers versus Seahawks for the Seahawks here after Walker went down Charbonnet stepped in and looked solid with 15 carries for 47 yards and six receptions on six targets for 22 yards I genuinely wish Zach Charbonnet who's a start this week was playing up against any other matchup 
besides the San Francisco 49ers because I really do think that he could take off like a rocket without Kenneth Walker. Charbonnet is a fringe start with a decent amount of upside given that he is going to see a decent amount of targets and he's a great receiving back. Also, important to note that Gino is on track to play with his elbow injury, according to Pete Carroll. So while Zach Charbonnet is a start, while I'll give him the metaphorical gawk gawk 9000, the sucky sucky special, and while I was a huge fan of Zach Charbonnet in the fantasy football offseason, I liked his draft capital, the landing spot, it is hard to believe that up against a 49ers defense that looks reinvigorated, that Zach Charbonnet is going to have a huge day. So that's what makes him a fringe start. He should get enough volume to finish as like a top 28, top 30 back and be fine. But this isn't going to be the finest game we see out of Zach Charbonnet. Assuming, again, and sometimes assumptions make an ass out of you and me, but it's a pretty safe assumption that Walker doesn't play, then wiki wiki, DJ Dallas is going to be the backup running back. Now, he does have a sick name, but that is about it. Sure, he will get a few carries, but frankly, Charbonnet is the clear-cut RB1, and they're going up against the 49ers. He is a clear stay away. For the 49ers, you didn't even have to watch this video about Christian McCaffrey to know to play him, right? I don't have to get on my knees about Christian McCaffrey. We all know how great this guy is. He's the running back one on the season in PPR and has only had one game on the season outside the top 12. CMC is a certified baller who must be started every single week. I don't give a fuck if they're playing the Monstars from Space Jam or up against the 85 Bears. I'm starting him. I think the Seahawks defense is overrated and I think CMC is going to go nuclear in this spot. Elijah Mitchell appears to be the clear handcuff at least as of right now for McCaffrey regardless as long as McCaffrey is standing knock on wood Mitchell belongs on the bench moving now to Black Friday I think the first ever Black Friday game the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jumbo Jets and Tim Boyle this game is not at 12 30 it's not at night it's at 3 p.m eastern standard time which feels like a weird time to have a standalone game but hey I am not complaining about football on a Friday, baby. Tim Boyle versus Tua Tungavailoa. Raheem Mostert. Now, I don't think A-Chain is going to play this week as he re-aggravated the same knee injury that fucked him up earlier on in the season in that Raiders game on Sunday. Now, McDaniel has not ruled him out, but McDaniel's kind of doing the do si over the injuries. Like, oh, he could play, but he also might not play, huh? You know? I'm going to be on HBO. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit hot. You know, he's going to try to try a little bit harder to be funny. And I get it. Like, I love Coach McDaniel. He has changed this Dolphins organization for the better. So I owe him everything. As a Dolphins fan, I'm not going to sit here and make fun of him. But hey, he's kind of doing the coach speak, doing the fucking uh, from the Matrix where he's like slow-mo dodging the bullets, right? I don't think that A-Chain's going to play. Again, I'm as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, but I just don't think so. Mostert looked like himself against the Raiders. Not the best matchup against the Jets this week, but he should at least be a top 18 back. And the Jets defense, just like they did against the Bills, might just call uncle if Tim Boyle is turning the ball over a bunch. So I think Raheem should be just fine. Again, I'm not saying this is a wet dream matchup by any means, but he'll be fine. Salvin Ahmed did find the end zone last week with a chain out. It is possible that he could score again, but that is really your only hope. Anakin, or this is your, you're my only hope, Obi-Wan. I don't know why the fuck I said Anakin. It is what it is. 
But, again, that's really your only hope for him to be a fantasy-relevant running back is finding the end zone. This man averages 2.8 yards per carry. I expect Jeff Wilson to be activated. So, kind of makes it a triple-headed running back core with Mostert being the head of the train. Just stay away from Salvin Ahmed. For the Jets... I am starting Brees Hall. I think the Dolphins' defense is going to be all over Tim Boyle's ass all day long. This man is going to be holding Jalen Phillips and Chubb's pockets by the end of the game like he was in prison. Either way, Boyle will probably check down the ball roughly seven gazillion times to Hall for him to potentially finish as a top 16-ish back. It's kind of sad. It's like that... Meme from the Godfather. Look how they massacred my boy. Look how they were. Now, again, I wasn't the biggest Garrett Wilson stand, but look how they fucked up Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall by the quarterback play. Even with Zach Wilson, though, Hall has been great. So while I don't really feel like that great throwing Hall into my lineup, you have to start him. Dalvin Cook looks so washed that it's actually kind of sad. Leave him on the waiver wire a sit. Now we move to the beginning of the Sunday slate, a riveting matchup between the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Alvin Kamara has been a top 10 running back in six of his seven starts this year since returning from Roger Goodell's jail, a suspension. Now, as things stand where I'm talking right now, Tuesday at 2 a.m. in the morning, who the fuck knows if Carr is going to play or not? But I do think that Carr missing would really hurt Kamara as Derek Carr is a check down machine. The matchup against the Falcons is fine, but with Jameis Winston under the center who likes to, you know, run himself or take that shot deep down the field, it would be a knock on Kamara. It would knock him down a peg. Now, this would also heavily elevate Chris Olave. You know... An eye for an eye type here, right? Kamara would take a dip down, but Olave would get a boost if Jameis Winston plays. Now, Jameis Winston, regardless of he's playing or Derek Carr, Jamal Williams is a clear sit. This man hasn't done anything this season. Even when Kamara was out, the man was useless. Leave him on the bench, or better yet, on the waiver wire. Bijan Robinson got fed like Violet Beauregard from the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory in Week 10 against the Cardinals. Coming out of the bye, I think we see more of that, right? I think we see more of Bijan Robinson getting a lot of touches. But while I say that, there's a big but here. Shout out Violet Myers. We have to understand that Arthur Smith is not a sane person. He's like the fucking Joker when he decided to kill a gazillion people on a train ride, right? Arthur Smith's a little bit crazy. You want to know how I got these scars type deal. So while I love Bijan Robinson, while I believe so much in the talent, there is still the devil trying to, you know, argue with the angel on my shoulder that says, Nick, oh my God, I, I know Bijan's great, but Arthur Smith's a fucking idiot. And maybe he fucks Bijan right in the ass without the use of lube. And I kind of agree with that, right? That is still a looming possibility. While I'm still playing Bijan with blind confidence, that's a worry that we all kind of have. Tyler Algier praying to the seven gods from Game of Thrones that Tyler Algier stops seeing touches. He is he had only nine carries prior to the buy-up against the Cardinals. So I hope that Arthur Smith continues to give Bijan all the carries. 
So as of right now, you got to be sitting down Algier, but if things go back to how they used to be, maybe Algier becomes a start later down the line, but so frustrating because Algier can't even fucking hold the jock strap for Bijan Robinson, but for some reason they see close to the same amount of carries. It's super annoying. Next up, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals. If you guys have enjoyed today's video thus far, please make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. But real quick as well, I would also like to ask that you guys hear a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and today, Underdog has a great offer for you guys that we'll be talking about in just a couple of seconds after we explain how Underdog Pick'em works. So, we're we'll talking about the Thanksgiving slate of games here. First, with the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions, my favorite pick from this game is going to be David Montgomery higher than 64.5 rushing yards up against a pretty soft, in my opinion, Packers run defense. We are going to go ahead and match that with the Dallas Cowboys versus Commanders game with Dak Prescott higher than two passing touchdowns in this spot. If both of those hit, then we will receive three times our entry fee. If you do three picks, it's six times, four picks is 10 times, and five picks is 20 times your entry fee, assuming all of the picks hit. Now, if you are new to Underdog Fantasy and live in one of the states on your screen right now, you receive a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. So you deposit $100, they'll give you an additional $100, if you do 50, it's additional 50, 25, additional 25. The minimum deposit on Underdog Fantasy is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals, a riveting AFC North matchup that would have been at least somewhat fun if Joe Burrow was playing, but obviously, sadly, that was taken away from us. Jalen Warren, in my opinion, has... It almost feels like he might have taken over as the lead back on this team against a stout Cleveland Browns run defense. Warren went bananas with nine rushes for 129 yards and three receptions on three targets for 16 yards with a touchdown in that game, finishing as a top five running back. That is now two weeks in a row inside the top eight for Jalen Warren. Now I might sound like I'm giving Jalen Warren the Gawk Gawk 9000 special, but we all know that Najee is not going to completely fade away, right? He will still rear his ugly head here this week. But frankly, I don't give a fuck. I'm starting Jalen Warren this week as a top 24 back. Nick, why isn't he ranked higher if you like him so much? That is because I am not trying to get cute up against... A Bengals defense that at times has looked good. Plus, the biggest downside in them all is that the Steelers' offense just isn't very good. Najee Harris, like I talked about with Warren, Najee will never fully disappear. But honestly, I wish he would go get some milk and just never come back so that Warren can truly flourish. Najee should still finish inside like the top 38, the top 40. So if you're really down bad, you could start him. Like, I don't think he's fully washed up or anything, right? But it's just very clear when you watch the fucking game that Jalen Warren is better than him. Joe Mixon, even with Burrow getting hurt last week, Mixon still had 16 carries for 69 yards. Very nice, I like. And five receptions on five targets for 31 yards with a touchdown. This now marks 
four straight games with a touchdown. Now I've said all season that Mixon's ability to produce in fantasy football is heavily tethered with the output of the Cincinnati Bengals offense. When the Bengals offense is on fire, then you see that Mixon plays quite well. But when the Bengals offense was looking a little bit limp dick early on the season when Burrow was banged up, it was no bueno for Joe Mixon. Without Burrow now and with Jake Browning under center against a stout Steelers run defense, we have to drop Mixon down the rankings like it's hot. Drop him like it's hot, like the Snoop Dogg song. I feel anywhere from running back 18 to 26-ish is where he will finish. Finish? He should at minimum be a top 28 back because even when Burrow was looking really bad early on in the season... Mixon was still a top 28 back, but again, it definitely feels like Mixon has kind of been stabbed a million times like Julius Caesar by this Joe Shiesty injury. Travion Williams, if he's lucky, he gets three touches, and you can't start someone. That if they're lucky, right? If it's their day, they get three touches. Next up, we got the Carolina Panthers at the Late Titans. Now, this feels like the week where the Titans are finally able to stay in the game. EA Sports, it's in the game, and they can feed Mr. Henry Tractor Cito. That has not been the case at all over the last two games if they have gotten spit roasted by the Buccaneers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We talk about this every week, but Henry really needs the Titans to keep things at least close so that they can run the rock heavily with him. Against the soft as baby shit Panthers defense, against the run, and with the Panthers offense that doesn't look very good at all, I can easily see Henry finishing inside the top five this week. Again, there's still reasons to worry. I'm not saying that Derrick Henry is this safe running back, wrap a latex around your team, condom style, he's the safe option, but there are a lot worse options than Mr. Derrick Henry. Tajay Spears is heavily dependent on the exact opposite game script that Henry wants. He wants a game where the Titans are losing so that Spears can get into play, even if if it's the best case scenario for Spears, though, right? Maybe they're just getting butt-fucked by Bryce Young. He's having this huge game, his best game of the year, getting taken from the back. How you like that? He probably still finishes outside the top 24. He's a great handcuff, but he's nothing more than that. Chuba looked as good as you can expect someone to look up against the Dallas Cowboys run defense last week, especially when you're like as skilled as Chuba Hubbard, which isn't obviously some high pedigree player. But with Sanders starting to ease back more to the snaps, ease back more to getting touches as it feels like he's getting a little bit more healthy, it makes both of them irrelevant for fantasy football. For Miles Sanders, like I discussed with Chuba, we have seen a clear emergence in Sanders' touches last week compared to prior weeks. Again, mainly in my opinion due to the fact that he's probably a little bit more healthy. And maybe Sanders even takes over as the lead back. But again, it's not going to be by some huge margin. It's not going to be like Sanders is out there seeing 80% of the snaps to Chuba's 20, right? It's just probably never going to be that way. And even with the Titans defense being kind of suspect, I know earlier on in the season, people were worried about the Titans run defense because they were ferocious. It, it just seems like with two guys splitting like this that aren't very good on an offense that isn't amazing, you just want to 
close your eyes, you know, cool guys don't look at explosions, just look away. Next up, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, last week, I declare, I do declare on the running back start sit video from last week that Rashad White's run as a top 12 running back in four straight games would be over. He wasn't going to do it again. The matchup was too tough against the 49ers. And while I was not technically correct with that assumption because he was the running back 13, or I was technically correct, I guess, because he was the running back 13, but in reality, he greatly overperformed what I thought he would do. The 49ers defense was great, right? The 49ers defense looks reinvigorated like I stated. This 49ers defense is scary, right? But the Rashad White train has no breaks, apparently, because he scored and had 30 rushing yards with 28 receiving yards, six catches, which really helped him out. This week against the Colts, I think he'll be back on the saddle. Shout out John Marston as a top 12 running back. Chase Edmonds has gotten five touches in back-to-back weeks. Congrats. But with how solid Rashad has looked, there is no reason to believe that he is going to just cut a bigger piece of the Bucks pie onto his own plate. So Chase Edmonds is a clear set. Jonathan Taylor, it appears that Zach Moss's value has fallen like Humpty Dumpty off the wall as his touches per game have plummeted drastically recently. Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, his touches, his workload is rising quicker than my cock in the morning. That's not what a fucking rooster says, but whatever. Whatever. Prior to the bye in Germany, Guten Tag against the Patriots, he had 23 carries for 69 yards. Very nice, I like. With one reception for six yards and a touchdown. The Bucks' run defense on paper is fine, but ooh, they don't really like petrify me anyways. I think he should be a top 12 running back this week for Mr. Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss, just like I said with JT, Moss is getting eased out of the game plan, right? Early on, they were using kind of the just the tip technique with Jonathan Taylor, right? Easing him in there. But recently, they fucking ripped the band-aid off and Jonathan Taylor's been going crazy and Zach Moss has kind of been not necessarily a nobody because we all know like, hey, if they just decided to give him 15 carries this week, he'd probably have a great game. But I wouldn't really be shocked if he saw like five touches on Sunday, and that is far from what he was a couple of weeks ago, so I would stay clear away. Next up, we got the New England Patriots at the New York Football Giants in what many are calling the Caleb Williams Bowl or the Drake May Bowl, you know? Will the Patriots accidentally fuck around and win here? Are the Giants going to mess up and win this one? And then the Giants are kind of out of getting Caleb Williams or Drake May. There's also talk, though, that the Giants don't want to draft a quarterback and they want to go with Daniel Jones again. If that happens, I think that the Giants fans might burn MetLife Stadium to the ground. Like, that is that is an incredible incompetence by the management of the Giants if they do not draft a quarterback. Like, if Caleb Williams is on the board, they're like, oh, let's just draft a receiver. Let's draft a tackle. They should be fucking... Fired on the spot. You fired, right? Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I know the Giants defense made Sam Howell think they're facing the 85 Bears, but they aren't that amazing. Stevenson feels like a safe bet to be a top 20 back. 
But with how bad the Patriots offense is as a whole, the upside feels very limited. Not like Russell Wilson, who's unlimited, right? A very limited upside for Stevenson. Far from a must-start candidate, but unless your team is locked and loaded at the running back position, Stevenson is a fine running back too, right? Saquon Barkley went nuclear, ballistic, up against the Commanders last week in Washington with 14 carries for 83 yards, four receptions on five targets for 57 yards, and two scores. One of those catches from Saquon Barkley looked like the motherfucker was a receiver. It was beautiful. Saquon Barkley putting the team on his back. Darren Sharper, hold my dick! The Patriots' defense doesn't strike any ounce of fear into my body. My only worry is that that was like a Tommy DeVito Lynn Sanity game, right? Where he throws all those touchdowns. He looks that great. And then the boy that still lives at home, not trying to make fun of him. A lot of people make fun of him. You know, his mom makes his bed. I wish my mom still made my bed. You know, I love Tommy DeVito. I respect him. He's an Italian stallion from New Jersey. He went to a high school near me. So shout out to Tommy DeVito. You know, as long as DeVito just doesn't play terrible, though, Barkley should be at the very least a top 12 back with top five upside. Because, again, the Patriots defense isn't really all that great. When it comes to Saquon's backup, Matt Breida, when Saquon is healthy, Breida is basically only used to maybe hand Saquon the Gatorade on the sideline. There's no reason to even be close to starting him. Zeke has been all right this year, and I don't want to give him his flowers or anything, but... You know, he hasn't been as shit as I perceived that he would be. We will definitely be seeing Zeke this week as he just never disappears, right? It's like when you pop a pimple and it magically comes back a couple days. Like, Zeke's just always there. I'll be there for you, right? And it's really frustrating. And as a Stevenson owner, like I said, it's pretty fucking annoying. But at the end of the day, you're clearly going to sit Ezekiel Elliott, who might not even be able to run after he eats so much on Thanksgiving. Next up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. Probably weird for Zeke, like as a guy that was a Dallas Cowboy, just not having a game on Thanksgiving. You get to actually hang out with your family, hang out with a bunch of Ewoks, you know, because he looks like one of those guys. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. He doesn't look as much like one anymore, though. Back in the day, though, that meme of him standing next to an Ewok was so fucking funny. He looks a little bit more in shape i would say he doesn't look as fat now again nick you're you're kind of fat as well you fat bastard i never said that i wasn't you know i'm not the skinniest guy on earth again i'm not built like fucking lizzo but i'm also not like some string bean okay not some not fucking huge either you know travis at the end jaguars at texans etn is on a bit of a skid recently but i for one am not really any worried the jaguars looked chef's kiss Manu Fweek last week, if Lawrence wasn't running in touchdowns like his name was Jalen Hurts, then ETN probably gets at least one touchdown in that game to kind of lessen the blow. ETN is the running back three right now in the season in PPR. You have to start this guy with a solid matchup against the Texans that could lead to this being a high-scoring game if CJ Stroud is able to keep up here. When it comes to Tank Bigsby, Tank actually saw a season-high nine carries last week in their blowout victory over the Tennessee Titans. With that said, as long as this game is not a blowout and they're not just giving Tank Bigsby some scraps, you know, late in the game, I just don't really see him getting many carries. It seems like ETN's going to get force-fed the ball and Bigsby's going to do a lot of nothing. Devin Singletary, Pierce has now missed three straight weeks due to that ankle injury. In two of three of those games, Singletary's looked like prime Adrian Peterson. In the other game, he looked like 
Devin Singletary. With that said, though, he's had back-to-back top 10 performances with over 100 yards and a score in both of those games. Now he faces a tougher defense in the Jaguars, but even if Pierce returns, I feel like this is still Singletary's backfield because while I am a Damian Pierce truther, Damian Pierce hasn't looked anywhere near as good as Singletary has looked over the last couple of games. Damian Pierce still dealing with the ankle. It's important to monitor as the week goes along because he might not even be playing. And even if he does play, he's riding the pine. Boone will be the RB2, though, if Pierce is out. Yet again, shout out to the boy, Mike Boone. Next up, we got the Cleveland Browns at the Denver Broncos. Now, Javante Williams had his first game in a few weeks with fewer than 20 carries against the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. With a matchup against the Browns' defense, I have to drop Javante down the rankings. Now, he should still get enough touches, enough carries, you know, potential dump-offs to be relevant, but even if he goes back to getting fed heavily here, I don't think against the Browns' defense he'll be able to do enough to be like a must-start running back again. He'll be fine. I don't think anyone in their right mind is like, Holy fuck, you need to start Javante Williams this week. I don't think anyone's thinking that. Samaje Ryan was eating up targets like the goddamn cookie monster on Sunday Night Football with seven receptions on seven targets for 60 yards. If I could ensure he was going to see five-plus targets every single week, I'd probably start him with that upside. But he's only done that two times this season, so it feels like a big comeback-down-to-earth game for Mr. P. Ryan. For the Cleveland Browns, Jerome Ford F-150 is back as the running back one role in this offense, regardless of the quarterback situation, even though it's kind of unknown, at least in my opinion, who they're going to end up starting. I think that the game plan here up against the Broncos defense will be to run the rock heavily. Though, with how bad the quarterback may or may not be, I don't think that this game should get out of hand, but it is possible if the defense kind of isn't on their P's and Q's here. Ford is closer to a fringe start to me than he is a must start. Kareem Hunt will never really go away, right? He's kind of like Zach Moss, but at least Zach Moss has been a lot more suppressed, whereas Kareem Hunt is basically still going to get probably 10 carries. Thing with Hunt though is unless he scores a touchdown, getting 10 carries for 30 yards ain't gonna cut it like that OT Genesis song. The man has done that for three straight weeks. And around 10 touches, 30 yards. Now in the other games, he was scoring, right? I don't think he's scoring this week up against the Broncos. Next up, we got the LA Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. James Conner, since returning from injuries, has been the running back 36 in PPR up against the Atlanta Falcons in Week 10 and the running back 27 last week against the Texans. He still continues to pass the eye test for me, but he seems to be allergic to the end zone as of right now. This week against the Ram defense that at points this season has looked at least fine enough, I wouldn't have to rank... Honor super high, right? I just don't have to. Like, again, I still believe in the guy, but somewhere around running back 24 feels fair. Again, I think he's a very talented player, and I think any given Sunday, right, Connor could go crazy. But given the matchup, I think 
just the running back 20 around there just feels fair to me again. Not a guy you're clamoring to start, but a lot of people kind of have to start him. Keontae Ingram with Connor back on the saddle. Ingram has phased into irrelevancy. There's no reason to even consider starting him. Now, Kyron Williams for the Rams is expected to make his return from his ankle injury this week. He has been out since week numero seven, which feels like a fucking decade ago at this point. And again, if you guys notice, my hat keeps like moving. The problem is I got a haircut and this hat, I wish it had like a mode in between, like a schmedium, you know, in between. I have a big head, right? I have like a fucking colossal head for some reason. My dad always says it's the Norwegian in me, not the Italian paws, you know, as if there's a Norwegian in me. You want to know a good joke to tell the ladies? Now, again, if you're talking to a chick, trying to hit her with the riz, as the kids would say, you say, if you're an Italian or whatever you are. So, for instance, I'm Italian. So, you say, uh, hey, lady, now I have a fiancé, so I don't, I don't use this no more. But it, it might have worked back then. I don't remember. I, you, what you say is you say, and again, a lot of people have probably heard this. This isn't like something I came up with. I heard it a while ago. Thought it was fucking funny, so I might as well share it again. So, what you do is you say, hey, what a wonderful time of day. No, you don't say that. You say, hey, are you, do you have any bit of... Italian in you, right? What percentage of Italian are you? And then they're like, oh, I'm not Italian, I'm this. And then you say, would you like any Italian in you? Ha ha ha, get it? You know, maybe I didn't tell that as good as I should have, but I always thought that was fucking funny. Again, some people in the comments be like, Nick, that wasn't funny at all. We're actually only here to listen about the running backs, you cocksucker. Hurry the fuck up, you asshole. Right? There's some people that probably think that. There's also some people that are like, Nick, knee slap, that was funny. Some people, like an airplane joke, it might have went right over their head. <laughs> that was another good one. So, again, Kyron Williams has been out since week seven. When healthy, Kyron has been a top ten option in four of six games. I will just close my eyes and play him. Blind confidence up against the shitty Arizona Cardinals defense. Darrell Henderson with Kyron now back. I expect Henderson and Rolls-Royce Freeman to take a back seat. I don't think either of them will straight up disappear to the John Cena you can't see me. But I think they're going to see a huge cut in terms of their weekly workload. And you don't want anything to do with either of them. Next up, we got the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders in Viva Las Vegas. If you guys have enjoyed this far, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down below. We still have three games left. Yep, we got another game, then Sunday Night Football, and then Monday Night Football. So Chiefs at Raiders. This was the game from last year, if you remember, late on in the season, when the Chiefs were fucking around so much that they basically had their team run around in a circle. They almost, like, formed a running huddle on offense, ran around, got set, snapped the ball, and scored. It was hilarious. Um, with that said, Pacheco has played, played all right on Monday Night Football as the running back 23. I know he's been in a bit of a slump recently. He ran for 89 yards in that game. That matchup, though, was tougher than beating Quagmire in an arm wrestling contest, so I would lean with Pacheco having a bounce-back game, a, a huge game up against a bad Raiders defense. When it comes to Jarek McKinnon with McKinnon and CH backing up Pacheco and splitting the work, they're both clear sits weekly. Even though one of these days we are going to inevitably see that huge like Jarek McKinnon game where the man just scores two touchdowns or somehow scores three touchdowns, right? 
You will never actually know when that's coming, though, so you're going to have to sit him down. Josh Jacobs was on the struggle bus last week against the Dolphins as they locked him up and threw away the key, 14 rushes for 39 yards and one reception for 12 yards. The Chiefs probably will allow this game to be close for absolutely no reason at all. The Chiefs are levels above the Raiders, but this game will end up being close for some fucking reason. That's kind of what the Chiefs do with a lot of their divisional opponents. You just got to hope that he potentially could score here to have a great game. I think Jacobs will be fine. The Chiefs' pass defense pretty good against the run. They're not the best, though. When it comes to Amir Abdullah, it's very similar with McKinnon, except for Abdullah doesn't really have that two-touchdown dog inside of him. Abdullah and White, Zamir White, both split the RB2 role. They would be lucky to see four combined touches, so you're going to sit them down. Next up, we got the no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills at the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm hoping the Eagles do the Dolphins a solid. I know they bent us over a table all those weeks ago. It was Monday Night Football, I believe it was, or maybe Sunday Night Football. So long ago at this point. They spit roasted the Dolphins in the fourth quarter. But the Eagles are helping the Dolphins out. They beat the Chiefs, and hopefully they beat the Bills this week. The Eagles are looking like the clear number one, top of the charts, back in your hearts. Shout out Drake, number one seed in the NFC. James Cook for the Bills finished as a top 10 back against the Jumbo Jets last week with over 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Against the Eagles defense, though, that run defense is solid. I think that's going to be a tough task for Dalvin Cook's brother, which is a joke because honestly, at this point, Dalvin Cook is James Cook's brother, right? James Cook is way better than him. Now, he should be at least a top 24 running back here with how much new offensive coordinator Joe Brady likes to run the ball. But my biggest worry here is things just get out of hand, right? Maybe the Eagles score on the first drive. The Bills, you know, a little limp dick. They don't score. Then, magically, the Eagles walk down the field. Field goal, Jake Elliott. It's 10-0. And then things start spiraling quickly out of control, and then the Bills go back to just throwing the ball a million times. Again, that slight worry is what kind of has him ranked a little bit lower. Latavius Murray with Uncle Lenny just nowhere to be found. Latavius remains as the RB2. Even with touchdown upside against the Eagles defense, it's just kind of a clear stay away spot. DeAndre Swift, for him, the Bills defense is going to part like Moses parted the goddamn Red Sea for DeAndre Swift to run all over them. He looked real sharp. He looked wicked smart last week with 12 rushes for 76 yards and three receptions for 31 yards with a touchdown. Now, We talk about this every week, but the tush push is so annoying for DeAndre Swift. He might get to the one-yard line, or Devontae Smith gets to the one-yard line, and then you kind of just know what's about to happen, right? You know that Swift isn't getting the ball, Gainwell ain't getting the ball, Brown's not getting the ball, Smith's not getting the ball, Goddard's backup, Stahl's not getting the ball. We all know who's getting the fucking ball. It's Jalen Hurts with the tush push, and it's annoying, But with such a great offensive line, with so many opportunities against a bad run defense, he was the running back nine last week. Swift will very likely be a very likely be a top five running back in my rankings, making him a must start here up against the Bills. With Swift playing so well, the Eagles have basically thrown Gainwell away like Andy tossed away Woody in Toy Story. I don't want you anymore. Clearly, 
Sit down, Kenneth Gainwell. Take a seat, fucking Chris Hansen style. Next up, we got the Baltimore Ravens at the Los Angeles Chargers on because you waited all day for Sunday night. Justin Herbert the pervert versus the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Brandon Staley, I don't know which video I talked about this. Maybe it was the defense video. Maybe it was the waiver video. But Brandon Staley is a Hall of Fame stooge after the game ends. The reporters are like, Staley, pal, look, I know that the offense struggled, but this defense fucking sucks, buddy, and maybe you should stop calling the plays. And Staley's like, it's not my fault. Eckler fumbled the ball, this, that, and the other thing. Buddy, you're the head coach of the team. You're a fucking idiot. You're why they lost in the playoffs last year. You are an embarrassment. Again, I'm a Justin Herbert, the pervert hater, because... Tua versus Herbert is kind of a thing on Twitter, you know, and I'm obviously in the Tua camp as a Dolphins fan. But man, oh man, Herbert's getting bent over a table because their head coach is a certified dunce. So I don't know what the hell they're doing there. Eckler had a disastrous performance. We just talked about it. Week 11 against the Packers, falling outside the top 30 at the running back position with under 70 all-purpose yards and a fumble in such a great matchup. I was feeling at minimum a top eight game for him last week, but he said the Kembe, no, no, no. He wasn't giving that to me. This week against the Ravens run defense, I expect to bounce back even if this isn't a, you know, wouldn't categorize as a wet dream matchup. Joshua Kelly with Eckler healthy. There's really no reason to assume that Kelly will even be worth speaking of for more than 10 seconds. And then when Eckler isn't healthy and doesn't play knock on wood, we don't refer injuries. Kelly still sucks ass. So again, not worth speaking about him for a million seconds here. Gus Edwards. I say this every single week, but with how hot Gus Edwards has ran over the last five weeks with a total of nine touchdowns in those games and at least one touchdown in all of those games, you have to keep rocking with Edwards. I get Edwards is not a workhorse back, right? He's a guy that you feel a little bit queasy when you put him in your lineup, right? But he has a nose for the end zone. And with Andrews now out of the picture, there is even more reason to believe that Gus Bus Edwards can score multiple touchdowns against a shit-tier Chargers defense. I know it might feel gross to put him in your lineup, but you gotta keep rolling him out there. Keaton Mitchell, I love me some Keaton Mitchell, as this guy has the it factor. He makes amazing cuts like OJ Simpson both on and off the field, and runs with insane, ludicrous speed. Problem here is, is that he is never really gonna be given enough touches to truly succeed. Unless he scores with his normal fewer than 10-ish carries a game, you'll probably have a bad time. Now, again, he is skilled enough to, even with limited touches, bust one off and have a solid game, and I guess, like, if you're in a deeper league, sure, you can start him due to the upside, but he's not a guy I'm looking for. Justice Hill sees a frustrating amount of snaps if you're someone that has Keaton Mitchell or Gus Edwards, but Hill won't actually turn those snaps into a lot of touches. So, Hill is basically no fantasy value, but he's going to be out there enough to where you're going to want to pull your head out, or not pull your head out, that's not the saying, pull your hair out if you're a Keaton Mitchell or Gus Bus Edwards owner. Next up, we move to Monday Night Football, the Chicago, Chicago Bears at the Cold Lake Minnesota Vikings. This game could actually be pretty fun. Justin Fields looked really solid last week, but in terms of the Bears rushing attack, this is like a real clear stay away. If Foreman misses, Herbert should be the running back one with Roshan seeing touches as well. If Foreman plays, there is no way you would come even close to starting Herbert. With Foreman playing, I would, you know, like even if Foreman doesn't play though, I, I don't really think you want to start Herbert 
especially with how the Vikings defense has gotten better every week. Foreman exited the Lions game with an ankle injury. It doesn't seem super, super serious, but we still don't really have a ton of information. Regardless, even if he does return, this will be a three-headed running back backfield that, again, you just fucking run away from. For the Vikings, Madison and Chandler. Madison looked all right on Sunday Night Football, 18 carries for 81 yards. With Chandler looking solid, though, it feels like we are going to see them split carries every single week. As of right now, Madison is just thrown into the fringe start category due to Chandler being there. And if it was against a better defense, knowing that the split's going to take place, I probably just would have stayed away from Madison, but it's against the Bears, so I think he'll be fine. Chandler, like I said with Madison, Chandler looked solid with over 100 all-purpose yards on Monday Night Football. Though, I think Madison still out-touches him, so it leaves Chandler as the odd man out. If you're in a pickle, I think Chandler could be a considerable start. But again, you think he's going to run for over 100 yards, 100 total yards and a touchdown again? Like, I don't think so. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you didn't enjoy today's video, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Make sure you guys smash that like button like it owes you some money. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY if you'd like access to my weekly rankings, as well as an answer to any of the questions you guys may have. Make sure you guys check out the Patreon. Link in the video description for $7.50 a month. Check out some of the videos that are on your screen right now. If you haven't seen them already, wide receiver starter sit video coming later. Love you guys all so much. Hope you have a happy Thanksgiving coming up soon. Love you all. Have a great one as always. Good.